MSW Media. News was wearing daily beans, daily beans, daily beans, daily beans. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Friday, July 10th, 2020. Today, Trump's terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. The Supreme Court rules that Trump is not above the law. Trump's fixer, Michael Cohen, has been taken back into custody for violating his home confinement. Trump's CDC refuses to rewrite the school reopening guidelines after Trump criticized them and after Pence said they'd redo them. New York starts a Trump Tower Black Lives Matter mural right in front of Trump Tower on Fifth Avenue. Former Southern District U.S. attorney testifies that Barr repeatedly pressured him to resign. And a health official says that the Trump rally in Tulsa was the likely cause of a coronavirus surge as we surpassed 58,000 new cases in one day in the United States. I'm your host, A.G. Okay, we have a packed show today, including a discussion about the Supreme Court Trump financial records cases with uh, co-founder of SCOTUS blog. We had her on yesterday, Amy Howe. She's going to be here to discuss the ins and outs of those ins and outs of those cases and those decisions, as well as the other decision that came out today, which is huge for indigenous people. It's the McGirt versus Oklahoma case. I'll be joined uh, later in the show by Amy Carrero for News from Under the Radar. Her and I are going to go over the headlines. And then Jordan Coburn's going to come back for the good news block at the end. Uh, if you're confused about the Supreme Court decisions, one need look no further than Trump's Twitter feed today to see how he feels about them. He's pretty mad. And, I mean, Chief Justice John Roberts, I think, you know, said it best. He's like, you know, he's like, you're not immune and you don't have special needs you don't have a heightened need um, for this kind of stuff but he did send it back down to lower courts to discuss the separation of powers issues uh, in the congressional ones uh, and same with the um, Mazars Vance Cy Vance Manhattan DA case although that one might go more quickly Um, Trump is probably going to lose that one and we'll get into that in a little bit and you can join us later today, Friday, for our happy hour Q&A, Happy Beans, with a special guest, Andrew Torres, might pop his head in. Uh, I will confirm that with him shortly. That starts at 4 Pacific time for patrons and 5 p.m. for the public. Uh, we will tweet the link out for the public from both Twitter accounts, at Muller She Wrote and at Daily Beans Pod at 5 p.m. Pacific time today. And uh, if you want to become a patron and you can't swing it during this, you know, during the COVID crisis, we have sponsors that are sponsoring patrons. We have a lot of generous patrons who are paying for one year memberships for folks who can't quite, you know, can't quite do it right now. So if you want to take advantage of that or if you want to sponsor a patron, just head to dailybeanspod.com. It's uh, scroll down. It's on the front page there. Uh, we do have a lot of news to get to. But first, let's go over the lead story today about the Supreme Court rulings. Hot notes. All right, so joining us today to discuss the Supreme Court's findings is co-founder of SCOTUS Blog, who served as counsel in over two dozen merits cases at the Supreme Court, and she's also taught Supreme Court litigation at Harvard, Stanford, and Vanderbilt Law. Amy Howe. Amy, thanks for coming back to speak with us today. It was great to talk to you again. Yeah, I know we talked yesterday, and I wanted to have you come back today once we learned for sure that we knew we were going to get these decisions today. Um, first, uh, real quick, we got a ruling in McGirt versus Oklahoma, which is a significant finding. Can you just tell us a little bit about that before we get to the Trump's, the Trump tax cases? Sure. This was overshadowed, of course, by the Trump tax cases, but this was actually a huge decision, especially for Native Americans, because the court, by a vote of five to four, ruled that for purposes of 
at least federal criminal law, um, a large part of eastern Oklahoma, including the city of Tulsa, actually now falls or has always fallen within an Indian reservation um, so that the state government can't prosecute offenses there involving Native Americans. This is a case involving a man named Jim C. McGirt, who's a member of the Creek Nation, and he was convicted in state court of sex crimes against a child, and he argued that Congress had never taken away the Creek Nation's sovereignty over the area, and so he could only be prosecuted by the federal government. And this was actually the second time that the Supreme Court had tackled this question. They took it on last year in a case that came up from the U.S. Court of Appeals from the Tenth Circuit. And they heard oral argument, they asked for more briefing, and they never decided the case. And we don't know exactly what was going on behind the scenes, but the conventional wisdom is that uh, they were deadlocked four to four because Justice Neil Gorsuch, who came came from the Tenth Circuit, was recused from the case. So mm -hmm. they took this, this case, the McGirt case, which came out of the state court, and Justice Gorsuch actually wrote uh, for the majority. He joined the court's former liberal justices in agreeing that uh, this case, that the, he said, you know, that we are asked whether the land these treaties promised remains an Indian reservation. And he said, Congress hasn't said otherwise, and so we're going to hold the government to its word. He is, you know, we think of him as a conservative justice, but he's also a stickler, as we saw in the Title VII cases involving whether federal employment discrimination laws protect LGBT employees, mm -hmm. a stickler for the words on the page. Yeah, and, and, and today the words on the page went uh, the way for for indigenous peoples in Oklahoma. And so, yeah, I think it's I think that case he recused from was another murder trial or was a murder trial, excuse me. And and he had to recuse from that. And uh, I, I had heard I think there were some folks on NPR talking about if this would impact past cases. And it seemed like the consensus was no, not really. It's mostly going forward, just as in changing marijuana laws doesn't necessarily automatically you know, give relief to everyone who's been arrested uh, on those laws, but, you know, on more like on a case-by-case -case basis, I guess. So, Yeah, the Supreme Court may well, you know, have to make that clear. Uh, you know, that, that often happens with these sort of landmark criminal laws. Then they have to make clear sort of what the scope is, scope is whether it reaches back. But I, if, that, if that comes up, I'm sure they'll make it clear one way or the other quite soon. All right. Well, thank you. And now on to the big, uh, you know, at least what most folks who listen to our show uh, and, and, you know, previously Mueller, she wrote, were waiting for, which is the Trump tax decisions with Mazars and Vance and three House committees and Deutsche Bank and Capital One. And yesterday we had spoken and, you know, we had thought, you know, I had, I had thought I was pretty sure Vance was going to win. But I wasn't quite sure how they were going to split or find middle road in the congressional cases. And we learned how they did that today. Can you go over these two decisions? Sure. So the first case, I'll start with the congressional cases. And so these are cases in which three congressional committees were subpoena issuing subpoenas for the president's financial records. One was the House Committee on Oversight trying to get uh, documents from Mazars, the president's longtime accountant. Uh, the other case... Uh, it was called Trump versus Deutsche Bank, was argued and decided together with Mazars today. And you had two other committees, the House Committee on Financial Services and the Intelligence Committee, issuing subpoenas to Deutsche Bank and Capital One, the president's lenders, trying to get financial records for the president, his family, and Trump or organization as part of an investigation into 
possible foreign influence in U.S. elections and uh, money laundering. So Trump was trying to block Mazars and the bank, banks from complying with the subpoenas, um, but the lower courts rejected his requests, and so he came to the Supreme Court. And so today the Supreme Court sent the cases back for another look. They rejected the president's arguments that because he's the president, these subpoenas are subject to a very high bar. Um, you know, that you have to show sort of a, a demonstrated critical need, I think was the term that the president used, the, the, the very high bar that the president would have had the request objected to. But on the other hand, uh, he rejected sort of Congress's suggestion that these subpoenas should basically just be treated like subpoenas for anyone else's records, that as long as Congress had a valid legislative purpose, then they can get their hands on their records. And so they went with sort of a middle ground. It's like, you know, Goldilocks and the three bears. This standard is just right. Um, you know, you, and he outlined sort of a four-part test for what the courts should look at, you know, whether or not if we look at what Congress's need is, whether they can get the information anywhere else, um, whether the papers are really necessary, whether the, the subpoena is as limited in scope as it can possibly be so that it's not too intrusive. And so they sent the case back to the lower courts for them to reevaluate the subpoenas using this new test. Mm -hmm. So it's one of these things where, you, you know, everyone declares victory, everyone declares defeat. Um, you know, it's, uh, it, it was not a, a clear-cut win for either side. The litigation will continue. Mm -hmm. Although, you know, I, 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 I do feel that, you know, in the short term, if you wanted to see Trump's taxes or get him to the House, you might feel as though you lost. But in the upholding the rule of law where, the you know, the, at least the decision is the president isn't fully above law, he's not totally immune from 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 these requests. But you have to work out how and why and, and in which cases. And so they left that to the lower court to decide. So I, I think this is a, a good decision. I think it's a good day for the rule of law. Might be bad for people who want to see Trump's taxes. Might be bad for Trump who doesn't want this to continue. But nonetheless, here we are. Exactly. Exactly. The president was on Twitter, I think, definitely complaining about the rulings. Uh, you know, but on the other hand, uh, arguably, it's good for him in the sense that he's not going to have to turn over his taxes to, to Congress anytime soon. So it really all the point, you know, there, I think it's, it's a kind of a complicated, multifaceted ruling, and politically I think it's probably pretty complicated as well. Mm. Yeah, definitely. And then a couple of questions about the other case. Tell us about the, the Cy Vance Manhattan District Attorney Federal Grand Jury subpoena. Was it to Mazars and Deutsche Bank, or was it just Mazars, and, and how did that one come down? It was just to Mazars, and it was actually, I think, quite similar, and this was a point that, was, that came up in the oral argument, very similar to the subpoena that the House Oversight Committee had issued. Um, and so the grand jury investigation issued the subpoena to Mazars, seeking documents uh, about the president's finances, the president's response was that a president uh, is categorically immune from straight state criminal subpoenas while he is in office. Mm -hmm. um, and the Supreme Court rejected that argument today. Mm -hmm. And they also rejected an argument by the U.S. Solicitor General, which appeared, who appeared in the Supreme Court on behalf, uh, supporting the president, that the subpoenas would be should be subject at least to some sort of heightened need standard. Mm -hmm. um, so they, 
here they rejected the president's argument. They rejected the argument by the U.S. Solicitor General. They did send the case back to the district court, though. They, they said that the president, although he's not categorically immune from these subpoenas, he can still challenge the, the specific subpoena, um, you know, make arguments about why he shouldn't have to comply or why Mazars shouldn't have to turn over the documents in this particular case. Um, so this litigation will go on as well, um, presumably. I will say that you know the, the sort of considerations that Chief Justice John Roberts, in his opinion for the majority, sort of discussed and then rejected in explaining why the president doesn't have categorical immunity, seem to suggest that Trump would face an uphill battle in trying to quash the subpoena when it goes back. To the lower courts, but I'm certain that his attorneys will, you know, will still try, you know, to make arguments about why this particular subpoena is burdensome or harassing. Um, so I think, you know, I think that the in the New York District Attorney's case, the New York District Attorney is probably has an even better shot, has a better shot at winning than in the congressional cases, but it still could take some time. Mm-hmm. And now, uh, is, or is is the Trump side of this allowed to amend their argument as to why, or do they have to stick with their uh, categorically immune argument, or is that kind of why this is going back down to the court? Like, you, look, you're yeah, not why this is going back down to the court. So they, okay. they are letting going to let him make these arguments about why this particular the, putting aside the categorical immunity response. Mm. One would imagine if he had a good defense, he would have used it. <laughs> Yeah, I will be honest, I don't know exactly what, what arguments were made in the lower courts and why they didn't address these below. Yeah, it was, um, I mean, it was a lot of the same stuff that, you know, we heard in the in the Supreme Court oral arguments. Like, so if he shot a man on Fifth Avenue, you're saying the cops couldn't even stop him from doing it? Like, nope, nope, that's what we're saying. Okay. And you could sort of hear the room go, ooh, uh, without actually being there. So that's really interesting. Now, is there any way that that... Uh, proceeding could be sped up or expedited in any way? That's the number one question I'm getting is I, I know that, you know, we know in the congressional ones that this is not going to happen until after the election. And, you know, with Congress ending January 3rd, that could moot those arguments uh, in the first place. As you and yeah, you know, I, I don't know. It's an, it's an interesting question whether or not they there sort of is the, I imagine that I don't know the answer to that. I mean, mm. normally this is not something that would get fast-tracked, and I guess the question would be, you know, what arguments the the, the New York District Attorney Cy Vance would make about why this needed to be expedited. Yeah, I think he, I think he had that argument, but that argument is moot now, which was that there's a difference in in uh, statute of limitations between a misdemeanor and a felony. And I know he was up against the felony statute of limitations a couple of months ago. So that's already told or whatever the word is for that. That's already passed. And so that I don't think I don't know that that would necessarily be an argument. But I mean, you know, uh, we'll see. Uh, but, uh, you know, I just I, I sort of want to make sure my listeners understand that had we won cleanly all of these cases, those ta- those documents would have gone to the grand jury, which is totally secret. Uh, in the Manhattan District, uh, District Attorney's Office, the grand jury there. And then the congressional ones, they, they weren't just going to give them to the public. That would have been a process. There would have been probably closed-door hearings. You probably wouldn't have heard anything for a while anyway. That's just speculation on my part. 
But I think the good news here is that the Supreme Court roundly rejected the categorical immunity, the blanket immunity that Trump was claiming that he has as president of the United States, because I was personally concerned that if they didn't or that, they, you know, if they found in favor of Trump, that that we would lose congressional subpoena power for future presidents. So at least we have that. And I think the other important thing to note about this decision, these both of these decisions, is that they were seven to two decisions. You know, a lot of these, uh, you know, high profile, hotly contested decisions that we see out of the Supreme Court, um, you know, on issues like DACA or abortion, are these five to four. You've got the conservatives on one side, the liberals on the other, with you know the Chief Justice now in the middle providing this decided vote. But both of these were seven to two rulings with only Justices Clarence Thomas and Samuel Alito dissenting. Good old Thomas and Alito. As close as, you know, not a consensus, but, you know, a a fairly strong majority. Yeah, which is weird because Thomas found the other, in the other direction in uh, Clinton v. Jones. But that's a discussion for a whole other time, I think. but thank you very much for coming on and explaining um, these findings to us, these rulings, these opinions. That is the last session. That is the last day of the session. We're done now with the Supreme Court until October 2020 session, right? Uh, as far as we know. <laughs> I mean, there, will, there will be almost certainly over the summer, particularly with COVID, a lot of emergency requests involving mm-hmm. you know, the election. Uh, right, right now, there is a an emergency request involving the Florida law that requires people who've been convicted of a felony to pay court costs and fees before they can vote. Um, so uh, things like that are going to pop up. But the Supreme Court is not scheduled to hear oral arguments or issue opinions on the merits again until the fall, all right. for which we are all grateful. Yes. <laughs> Some break, a little a little bit of a rest. So thank you very much. Amy Howe, can you tell tell everyone where they can find you? Sure. I uh, blog at amylhowe.com. I'm an independent contractor for SCOTUS Blog. And you can also find me on Twitter at ahowblogger. Right. Thanks for having me. Good to talk to you. Yep. Good to talk to you, too. Everybody, uh, stay with us. We're going to be right back after these messages with Amy Carrero and News from Under the Radar. So you don't want to miss it. Stay around. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey everybody, it's AG. I would like to thank Caliper CBD for sponsoring this episode of the Daily Beans podcast. Nowadays, it's really important for all of us to practice self-care, but who said taking care of yourself needs to be so difficult? What I love about CBD is it helps you feel better without making any drastic changes to your routine. CBD has helped me sleep easier, feel more calm, helps my muscles feel less sore after a workout. Uh, I was skeptical about CBD at first. I meant... Uh, like there's just so many different kinds you have droppers full of tinctures how much do you know if you're taking it Uh, what's in it Um, you know you just have to make sure that you know you're doing it right and caliper agrees and that's why they introduced a better way to consume cbd Uh, caliper cbd powder is completely tasteless it mixes easily in any food or drink and it's got no taste no oily residue Uh, with precisely 20 milligrams in each packet of Caliper CBD. You'll never question how much CBD you're taking again. That's what I love so much about this. Uh, I like to add it to my morning coffee or my protein uh, shake after a workout. Uh, It's clinically proven that you absorb 450% more CBD with Caliper CBD powder as compared to tinctures. That's a massive difference. And it it gives you all the benefits of CBD in just 15 minutes. That's about twice as fast as oils. And Caliper is completely THC-free, all-natural, non-GMO ingredients, no fillers added, no chemicals. 
uh, or artificial flavors. So get 20% off your first order when you use promo code DAILYBEANS at tricaliper.com slash dailybeans. You can try Caliper CBD risk-free for 30 days. If you don't absolutely love it, they will give you a full refund. That is tricaliper, C-A-L-I-P-E-R dot com slash dailybeans. And don't forget promo code DAILYBEANS for 20% off your first order. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Uh, joining me today for the news from Under the Radar is the voice of She-Ra on Netflix, Amy Carrero. Oh. Amy, happy Friday. Happy Friday. Can you believe it? This, a totally indiscriminate <laughs> week is uh, just gone, come and gone. I know, but we had we had a lot of good news this week. You know, uh, in the in the A block there, I was just discussing with Amy how the badass woman co-founder of the SCOTUS blog, and you know, she's been at you know so cool in merits cases in the Supreme Court a oh bunch. Oh my god, teaches law at like Vanderbilt and Harvard yeah, me too, and, me too. Yeah, you know, just like <laughs> like, like you we do. All do. I know. Mm-hmm. I mean, you really, AJ, you have the most impressive people on this podcast. And so every time I tell my husband, I'm like, well, today there was a real life lawyer who has gotten to be in front of the Supreme Court <laughs> and me. So, but you know what? I'm not going to continue to harp on that because one day you'll believe me and stop asking me to come on the show. No, you are absolutely fabulous. You are one of the best. And so don't even worry about it. Great. And um, so the McGirt v oklahoma was decided today giving pretty much half of oklahoma to the indigenous people there or you know upholding that and so we talked about that which was awesome it was a very it was a terrible horrible no good very bad day for for trump and so that and then he lost his arguments in the in the tax cases um and so you know we went over all those details but uh, good stuff Ooh, and I can't wait to listen and then guess what just like we had predicted uh judge sullivan in the michael flynn case has filed for an on banc hearing in front of the entire uh circuit court of appeals to yes. uh to fight that you know 2 to 1 loss that said he had to dismiss the case against michael flynn and uh, so that is going to go forward. Yes. I love it. I love it when the branch fights back. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, he's he's not taking any shit. He's like, look, we got it. This is wrong. I, Yeah. The, the, the writ of mandamus was ridiculous. And I mean, you know, I'm paraphrasing. He said it much better than I did. But wasn't the whole thing like he were like, they didn't even make it. It's like, this is so stupid. Like, they didn't even do a good job of trying to convince us that we should. Right. Is that the gist? Yeah. I, you're exactly right because the the opinion written by Judge Rao, who was appointed by Trump, uh, and it used to not matter who appointed judges, but it does when Trump appoints them, yeah. was just really poorly reasoned. She was like, "Here's three things that you need," and I decided, "Yes," and and you know, and it was like, "Well, could you tell us why?" No, it was just terrible. But um, so that's so that is not over yet. Uh, yeah, I mean, the guy at this point, have we, I think that it finally happened in 2020 where most people are looking around or maybe not most, maybe I'm giving too much credit, but a lot of people are looking around thinking like, oh, they're not even really trying to do a good job of being dirty anymore. They're just doing it in front of our faces. And like, we're still being so polite about it. You know what I mean? Like we should be, I don't know what the alternative would would be, but like, we're like, well, I guess we'll just do it in the courts. But I mean, what else do we have? Um, But yeah, they're not even trying to hide it anymore. And this is just like exhibit Z 
Uh-huh. Yeah, they just keep pushing it back and delaying and delaying until the election is so close that the argument mm-hmm. is then, well, the election is close. So let's just right. have the voters decide. And that's sort of where we are, because yeah. even if, you know, in those two Supreme Court cases, moving on from Flynn now, but in those two Supreme Court cases, one was remanded back to the lower court. The other also has to go through a couple other lower court processes. Uh, but even if it was a, a total clean you know, decision and, and both of the firms, all the firms and the banks had to hand everything over to the House and to to the Manhattan district attorney. We right. wouldn't see the district attorney stuff because that goes to the grand jury and the public, yeah. this, the other stuff would go to Congress. And then what are they going to do? Set up some hearings in a month mm-hmm. or two and then subpoena a bunch of people who don't show up. And, the, yeah. you know, and, and it, like what? Yeah. What are you even going to do? So. Right. Exactly. Oh, you know what this gets? I'm just like, this gets a, like a, a fart sound effect. It gets a... <laughs> and yeah. that is... Exactly. <laughs> that's that's my expertise. I can give something fart sound effects, and that's what that gets. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> we'll mark that down. Um, another uh, thing I wanted to talk about was uh, I wanted to cr- do some coronavirus updates really quickly. We've had a couple yeah. of glaring headlines today. The first with respect to Trump and Pence pushing to open schools in the fall, so much so that he threatened to revoke school funding for anyone that didn't open schools. That was yesterday. But now uh, and then Pence came out and said, you know, the CDC released guidelines for reopening schools and uh, Trump hated them. Uh, You know, they recently put out their guidelines and and he tweeted he disagreed with the guidelines. They were too strict and too expensive and he would defund schools. Yeah. Uh, then after that tweet, Pence told the press in a task force briefing that the CDC would rewrite those guidelines. But today, the director of the CDC, to continue on with Trump's terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day, the, the, yeah. <laughs> Dr. Dr. Redfield told ABC in an interview, we're not rewriting the guidelines for educators. Uh, but he also reiterated that the guidelines are not requirements and should not that's be used. the craziest part yeah i know when he says it should not be used as a rationale to keep schools closed <laughs> i'm like okay that's isn't that what you're that's literally um yeah this is like a really bad sitcom and what's crazy is um i don't know for some reason at least uh, the tv that i was watching they were interviewing a lot of miami dade county uh school people um and my mom is a teacher for the miami dade public schools system so um it's just gonna be really crazy to see if she goes back to work next month um meanwhile she hasn't like even left she's like the other day she's like i don't even leave the house to get dunkin donuts so she's just like completely quarantined in her house but i don't know if the government's gonna make her show up to work you know and it's just crazy yeah i just don't understand the whole you know don't use our guidelines as a reason to not open that would be like uh the doctor being like, here's some condoms. Right. You have a sexually transmitted disease. Don't <laughs> see these condoms as a, a reason, you know, right. to, to you know, yeah. not fuck anybody without one. Right, right. I mean, it's totally up to you, you know. Just go ahead and spread that chlamydia. It's just so gross. And, and, and to watch these grown adults stand there and have to defend these actions even though i mean look they're a part of it they're totally complicit because they still have their jobs and they've still wanted to stay in their jobs but like you know the cdc dr redfield just standing there and actually the words coming out of his mouth which is like don't use this as a rationale to keep schools closed after saying he wasn't going to change guidelines is just i don't know (laughs) 
no. something you, you couldn't write it. You, you know, if you wrote it in a script, they'd be like, this is a terrible script. These are, yeah, these are our guidelines so you won't die. But, you know, don't listen to us if you don't want to. It's totally fine. <laughs> yeah. Um, and with regards to Trump's threats to withhold school funding, this is new too. Betsy DeVos, our favorite Secretary of Education, um, lying, said on Thursday, um, she told Fox News the Trump administration is not suggesting pulling funding from education. Instead, she said, let the families take that money and figure out where their kids can get educated if their schools are going to refuse to open. I'm, I'm so confused by this. What money? What money is she gonna get? Is she gonna cut him a check? It's very confusing. I know. Like, like so, so what you're saying is, if if Trump, if if the school refuses to open, yeah, then uh, Trump is gonna withhold the funding from that school and then send you the money. Yeah, like that. That's. I mean, I've that's that would be more than a lot of the families have got got from you know unemployment or you know PPP. This is just so insane, and and. And also, like, one thing I haven't really heard a lot of people talk about is none of these people's kids go to public schools. Like, no. you know, it doesn't even affect them. And this is that's really the most disgusting part, which is mm-hmm. they're talking about other people's kids, other people's lives. And, you know, as far as, like, where the, the county that my mom wor- or the district my mom works in, it's you know a uh, heavily latino population and they tend to be like newly arrived from cuba or from central america or from south america and it's sort of like the first neighborhood you know that they go to because it's it's full of you know you can like go to where she works and people will speak to you in spanish first um, it's kind of like that all over Miami, but especially in that area. So you're talking about people that live in multi-generational like homes and they don't, you know, they just maybe got here and they don't have their feet under them and they maybe don't have a lot of, um, access to childcare or to anyway, I'm just saying it's a really bad situation and they're playing with other people's kids and lives. Like it's like a chess game or something and it's really sad. And that's another way that it disproportionately impacts communities of color is because there's often multi-generational homes yeah. and, and these kids, you know, these kids, these kids, these darn kids. No, but you know, <laughs> you go and, and you know, they, they can carry the virus. They might not yeah. get sick from it, but they can carry it and pass it on to their families at home, to the teachers and staff at, at school. There, it's just, yeah. everybody has to think about these things and to, to defund the schools if you decide it's not safe is ridiculous and ridiculous. probably illegal and i let's hope but we won't find out until someone takes it to court you know what i mean unless they do like a emergency block but i don't know if that's even i'm not a lawyer haha <laughs> but yeah i mean it's just and school kids in school are dirty enough as it is like have you been to a school lately like it stinks there's like the kids smell like books and outside and like they probably don't wash their hands. So this is just begging for more spread. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, everybody knows that like all my friends who are teachers get sick like five times a year. Because, oh, my God. Yeah. Because of, of the kids. Uh, they, you know, they yeah, because they don't they don't like I don't know. It's something about being a kid. You know, you're just kind of gross. That just comes with being a kid. Like every kid is a little well, yeah, bit gross. You're curious, you're into everything, you're touching everything, you're picking your nose, you're, you know, Ugh. you're a kid. You're picking a, kid. a wedgie, you know, it's real gross. It's not a, it's not a fun age. Licking flagpoles, having your head oh, put God. in the toilet. It happens. <laughs> it happens. It happens. And administrators say they're already struggling to cover the logistical and financial challenges 
of retrofitting buildings and adding staff and protective gear and providing students with proper academic academic emotion like emotional support and for yeah. like, this traumatic disruption of their lives these school counselors and the federal relief package that we passed in March gave 13.5 billion dollars to K through 12 education which is less than 1% of the total stimulus but Crazy. education groups estimated that yeah the airlines got 10 times more but <laughs> right you know, Education groups estimate that schools will need many times that, uh, with local and state budgets totally tapped, totally depleted, in the red, and no help from the federal government. It's unclear where you're going to get this money. And then uh, Press Secretary Kaylee uh, McEnany has basically said to ignore the CDC and just reopen the schools already, citing that if we don't... Perfect. This is the thing that pisses me off. If we, here's the thing. Here's a study. Child abuse is up. Child abuse is up. So we have to open the schools. Huh. To help prevent child abuse. That's her uh-huh. thinking. It's safer for kids to be out of the home. Yeah, because the kids can't the kids can't get abused after hours. You know what I mean? Right. Like if we just send them to school, yeah, that's that's Amy, abuse only happens between seven and three thirty. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. I don't know why I you yeah. know, I must have misplaced the manual for that, and I'm so glad that you brought that to my attention. It's just like Again, you almost can't believe it. And then you hear it with your own two ears and watch it with your own two eyes. And you're like, oh, no, they, yeah, she really said that. Mm-hmm. And I'm not disputing that incidents of child abuse have gone up and CPS is doubly busy. Instances of spousal abuse have gone up. Sure. But to use that as a, a reason to force open schools that aren't ready to go, you know, that, that we shouldn't yeah. be opening is despicable to me to to use that as an excuse because i mean it, the 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 <laughs> the solution to child abuse is to send money to to child protective services and 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 beef up those programs and and right. and help you know increase mental health uh access have more counselors in in the you know i know from experience and talking to my mom's colleagues like you know sometimes the teachers know well before that there's something going on in the home and they can't legally do anything they have to go through um the 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 school psychologist or whatever and some schools don't have them like it's just so crazy mm-hmm. and there's so much bureaucracy and so it's like, okay, maybe focus on getting the schools like the proper PPE they need, the proper, um, you know, ratio of like psychologists Money. to kids or whatever. Yeah, exactly. So it's just Fund gross them. that they'll just use anything, anything at all to further the narrative. Yeah. And to say the solution to child abuse, to say the solution to child abuse is school is yeah. pisses me off. Um uh, let's see here. An Ohio lawmaker tweeted out today. He's telling his constituents to stop getting tested and not to get a vaccine and that he doesn't wear a mask because it goes against God. How how does this happen? Like how how does this person get to the place where he's at? Like I don't know. I don't know. Failing upward I, I, at every turn because that's what's got to happen, like, right? I want to shake him and go, you know, God gave us a brain. If I, you know, I'm an atheist, but if you're, you know, if we go with your story, God (laughs) gave you, you know, God gave you a brain to be able to create a mask and make a smart decision. Like, yeah, it's just, and I also don't know. I mean, are his constituents even buying it? Like, because I, I, I read the replies on the tweet 
And like most people were like, this is ludicrous. You know what I mean? So I, I mean, it was rare to see like any kind of support and the, and, and the supportive tweets were like from bots. So I'm just curious, yeah. like whoever elected this guy, what are your thoughts? <laughs> like, I just really want to know. Uh, he might not have been elected by the popular vote, you know? True. It's just we, all that is true. But we don't know. Uh, and now, you know, we know that even with this whole school opening thing, the World Health Organization is now saying, formally acknowledging that uh, droplets carrying coronavirus may be airborne indoors and that people who spend long periods in crowded settings with inadequate ventilation may risk, may it be at risk of becoming infected. That's a reversal uh, that many scientists say were long overdue, but the agency also acknowledged unequivocally that the virus can be transmitted by people who do not have symptoms. So shit that we already knew, but the WHO is now confirming it. Yeah, I didn't know that that was in question, the, the asymptomatic spread. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, they were basically just, you know, because earlier they had said, we aren't sure if it's airborne. Right. We don't know how it's spread. We don't know if there's asymptomatic spread, blah, blah, blah. And so now, and everyone was like, what? And right. so now they're... And, yeah, and they're- so, like, you know how in every movie that's about a pandemic, there's always, like, a few people that are like, we can't cause panic. Like, we have to tell these little white lies because of ro- widespread panic. I wonder, like, do you think that's what's going on? Because, I, I, I mean... Like, why Why did this take so long? Like, why did it take so long for them to say this? Why did we have to, like, wait this long to get, you know, the proper protocol on the face coverings? Like, it just seems like, you know, what's his face? Who wrote, um, oh, God, I'm totally blanking on his name. That filmmaker that made the movie with Matt Damon, Contagion. He needs to do a pass on this script because <laughs> this is just not working out like who i don't get it what do you think's going on are they just trying not to panic people i've got super space beans uh i would and i have no proof of this and i haven't even heard this rumor but i'd be okay. willing to bet that trump threatened to withdraw from the world health organization if they didn't say something like that right. and then when he did withdraw uh because they wouldn't go hard on china mm. uh then they were like well if if we don't have to worry about his money anymore, here's the real story. Because he just right. withdrew a couple days ago. That's just yeah. totally, I have no proof of that. That's all speculation. It's just so nuts. Yeah, it is. It's absolutely ridiculous. And also, um, <laughs> Donald Trump's campaign rally, his hate picnic in Tulsa in late June that drew... <laughs> hate picnic. That, <laughs> that drew tens of participants uh, <laughs> in, a, in a large... <laughs> Uh, likely contributed to the dramatic surge of new coronavirus cases, according to the Tulsa City County Tulsa City County Health Department director. Oh, they have a city county health department director, oh Dr. Bruce Dart. Uh, Tulsa County reported 261 new confirmed cases on Monday, a one-day record high, and another 206 on Tuesday. By comparison, during the week before, there were 76 on Monday and 96 on Tuesday. That was before the rally, and. Although the health department's policy is to not publicly identify individual settings where people may have contracted the virus, because why? The why is that not, a policy? That's so crazy. Yeah. I, yeah. But uh, Dart says those large gatherings more than likely contributed to the spike. Trump campaign spokesman Tim Murtaugh said the campaign went to great lengths to ensure that those who attended were protected. No, they didn't. They were pulling social distancing stickers off the seats. Yeah, that's right. The stickers. Yeah. Oh, but then, God. then he, this guy, 
Tim Murtaugh had the gall to say, quote, there were literally no health precautions to speak of as thousands looted, rioted and protested in the streets. And the media reported that it did not lead to a rise in coronavirus cases. So <laughs> that's literally his. We, we, we hmm. okay. yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, Mr. Zip tie the chairs together at Mount Rushmore. <laughs> I know that he kind of makes me miss. Kellyanne Conway a little bit and only because I want to ask her what her thoughts are on her daughter who went rogue I know and then her TikTok got shut down or something and oh then it did Twitter oh, no. and, then, and then she tweeted then she tweeted hey mom dad she tagged him quit shutting off my phone and oh but I'm here for this drama and I've just become more and more petty as 2020 has gone on so bring yeah. Kellyanne back get rid of this Tim Murtaugh guy because clearly He's not bringing the tea like old Kellyanne. Well, that would be a hell of a, a series, wouldn't it, on Netflix? The Conways. Oh. <laughs> Honestly, I don't even know how they're. I don't. I don't know how it works in that family. They must not speak to one another. I mean, how else? How I think else? It's, I think it's a weird sex game. <laughs> that's just. Oh, me. that's. Well, I can't uh, even picture. No thanks. Bye. <laughs> All right, Amy. I have to take a quick break, but we have a few more headlines. Will you stay with us through the break? Heck yeah! All right, sweet. Everybody, we'll be right back. Stay with us. This portion of Daily Beans is brought to you by our sponsor, CarShield. These days, computer systems in cars are the new normal. You have to be a rocket scientist to fix them. It's not like your old Mustang in 1968 where you can just, you know, take a wrench and a screwdriver and voila. Uh, You know, electronically controlled transmissions now. You have touchscreen displays, dozens of sensors, and I can't fix any of those new features. So when something breaks, it can cost a fortune. And now is not the time for expensive repairs, especially not now. And I hate dealing with tech-related car stuff. The last time I tried... It cost me a fortune and the repairs took forever. And that's why I have CarShield now. I love that CarShield understands that payment flexibility is essential. They have monthly plans that can be customized to fit your needs. Uh, It's affordable protection. And their plans can save you thousands for covered repair on computers, GPS, electronics, and more. Or even the old school, you know, transmission goes out, clutch goes out. That's $3,000 I don't have. And they have no long-term contracts or commitments. uh, And they give you options that others won't. Uh, with CarShield, you get to choose your favorite mechanic or dealership to do the work, and CarShield takes care of the rest. They also offer complimentary 24-hour roadside assistance and a rental car while, while yours is being fixed. CarShield has helped over a million customers so far, so drive with confidence knowing you've got coverage from America's number one auto protection company. And for as low as $99 a month, you can protect yourself from surprises and save thousands for covered repair. Call 800-CAR-6000 and mention code DAILYBEANS or visit carshield.com and use code DAILYBEANS to save 10%. That's carshield.com, code DAILYBEANS. A deductible may apply. Okay, everybody, welcome back. I'm back with Amy Carrero today. Amy, check this out. Checking. Our old buddy Trump. Remember, we were, we were talking about Flynn at the top of the hour, uh, or at the top top of the hour. Oh, my God. <laughs> top of the hour. Welcome to the yeah, 12th to- hour of the Daily Beans. <laughs> <laughs> we're live. It's top of the hour. The time the tone, the time will be 4.57 p.m. We have the surf report coming at you. Bang. Okay. No. Uh, <laughs> um, okay. Trump's fixer, our old buddy, Michael Cohen, was just mm-hmm. taken into custody. Uh, he was just hmm. rearrested, which Curious. would, of course, prompt you to ask, wasn't he already in custody? Mm-hmm. Why, yes, Amy, he was. He was in prison doing a three-year stretch for his time criming with Donald Trump, a.k.a. Individual One. But because of COVID, he begged and pleaded the court, pretty pleased, to let him serve out his prison sentence at home. I'll be good, Your Honor, I swear. But because of COVID, I'm fucking essential. I have to get home. Oh so <laughs> while we don't know exactly... well. 
At the time of the scripting, we didn't know exactly why he was picked up. We thought that because there were reports from the New York Post, he was caught dining out in public on the Upper East Side, seen canoodling with friends. But apparently the real story is he refused to sign the conditions. He refused to wear an ankle bracelet. And so they picked him back up. They're putting him back in jail. Did he learn nothing from Lindsay Lohan and Martha Stewart? What did he think was going to happen when you're on house arrest? You have to wear the ankle monitor. Yeah, what the hell is that? Like Manafort gets to serve his prison sentence at home. Cohen did for a minute. Epstein yeah. got that sweetheart deal where he got to go home into his office and have young girls brought to him Disgusting. while he was supposed to be in jail. Right. That shit has got to end. What is the point of deterring white collar crime? How can you possibly deter white collar crimes if there's no fucking punishment? Yet we have innocent good people in prison for selling weed or in ICE custody, separated from their children or their parents. Like, mm-hmm. but this shit gets to happen. What this is crazy. the fuck? I'm. But it also like doesn't make any sense. I'm like, so you'd rather go back to prison mm-hmm. than wear an ankle monitor? What are you doing? It just doesn't. It's also just really bad logic. On top of the injustice, <laughs> it's all just terrible, faulty logic. Unless his home life was such that he just had to go back. <laughs> Maybe that's it. Maybe he was like. I don't want to be home, actually, now that I think about it. <laughs> now that I'm I not going to sign it. the conditions. <laughs> yes. That's crazy. Yes. I'm wondering if more will come out because it seems in a little bit just beyond the pale. Like, it just seems like you'd rather go to prison than just wear an ankle mod. I don't know. Something's got to give. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Well, apparently he refused to sign the conditions. Now, if anything further breaks, uh, you know, of course, we'll let you know. Yeah. Um, but that's just bananas. Now, this is a little more on the serious side. This headline here. This is the media has obtained transcripts of the body cam footage taken during the murder of George Floyd by four Minneapolis police officers. I want to give a content warning here. I'm going to read some of these over the next couple of minutes. If you don't want to hear uh, or, you know, if you if you need to just, you know, fast forward for about, I would say, about two or three minutes. Um So let me read to you this part that was released of of the transcripts. We don't have the video, the body cam footage uh, Mm -hmm. to the public, uh, although the court has said um, they're getting indications from the court that members of the media will be allowed to view that footage but not Mm. release it. That's so weird. So here's one. Yeah, well, they don't want to they don't want to like taint the jury. Ah, Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. They don't want they don't want sh- the officers to come back and file an appeal and say they released those body cam tapes mm. that made it impossible for us to have a fair trial. We deserve to go free and they could win that case. So that, I, I think see. that's probably one of the reasons. But here's just one interaction. Floyd saying, I'm through. I'm through. I'm claustrophobic. My stomach hurts. My neck hurts. Everything hurts. I need some water or something. Please, please. I can't breathe, officer. And then Chauvin says then stop talking, stop yelling. And Floyd says, you're going to kill me, man. And Chauvin says, then stop talking, stop yelling. It takes a heck of a lot of oxygen to talk. And Floyd says, come on, man, I cannot breathe, cannot breathe. Ah, they'll kill me, they'll kill me. I can't breathe, I can't breathe. And then it ends there. And it's just hard to read and harrowing and um one of the other officers also uh, in in you know the four officers that were charged one of the ones that i think that was kneeling on 
George Floyd, uh, not his neck, not sh- not the you know Chauvin, but one of the other officers. His right. defense is um, that he had told the court he asked Chauvin twice to turn Floyd over because he was in distress, and right. Chauvin said no to him twice. Is uh, this the the one that's like that he said that he hadn't been on the job that long? Neither of them had, and uh, yeah, but this was one of the rookies, and uh, apparently, and it's uh, I think what they're saying, what his defense attorney is saying is that they have it on body cam footage Mm. him asking this officer Chauvin to to turn Floyd over uh, or you know to put him in the car Uh, the trial is set for March Um, that's so and uh, with it is it's wait trial is set for March I just saw that is it just because they have a lot of work to do in preparation or they're gonna have a hard time picking a jury Probably. I mean, the whole thing takes a long time. Yeah. Uh, it's it's a long process. They have a, a status hearing in September. There has to be discovery, um, you know, and we don't know yet if, if these officers will be tried separately or together. Um, but, you know, we'll, uh, we'll be following this. So do you feel like um, there's new information here as far as like with Chauvin? Does it show any kind of like not premeditation, but like a, a, a sort of intent because he's acknowledging the fact that he's acknowledging that George Floyd is saying like, I can't breathe by saying, then stop talking, stop yelling. And then he says very glibly, you know, about the oxygen thing. It takes more oxygen to talk. Like, I don't know. Is that, does that add to it? Can't, can they, I don't know. Well, from what I understand, Chauvin's attorneys are saying uh, that it helps their case because it shows that Chauvin wasn't trying to kill him, that he was trying to get him to stop talking so he could breathe better. Uh, I don't know uh, that that is any kind of a a defense. You know, at some point uh, this week, uh, this coming week, I will speak to, I don't know, probably I'll I'll ask Ellie Honig. He's a, you know, former former federal and state prosecutor and ask him what he thinks about these transcripts. Yeah. But it doesn't seem, I mean, I think it proves the, it helps prove, it helps bolster the second degree murder charge of, uh, you know, of intent, of intent of mind. Uh, But I, I think I would feel better not answering that question mm. and, and asking an expert because I, I honestly don't know. But it it definitely evokes emotions of sympathy toward the victim here. Yeah. Uh, it definitely does that. And I, I think that, uh, you know, maybe a, you know, a prosecutor can tell you what, what, but mm-hmm. it's really how a jury interprets it. And, right. and that is devastating to to me at least to hear those words yeah i mean like you, you people in juries are people like you and me you know what i mean and so mm-hmm. if civili- well you know what i mean people who are not professional jurors i don't know just reading it you don't even need to li- you don't even need to hear it you know no um, and the, the way yeah. i would interpret it is is he wasn't resisting at that point you were telling right. him to stop talking not to stop resisting. Which is not against the law, by the way. Right. Yeah. And so you had the situation under control. There was no reason to sit there for nine minutes. Do you know what I mean? That yeah. That's sort of the way, the way that I feel about that um, yeah. transcript. It's like you, you, you had him subdued. He couldn't breathe. He told you that. And your answer is, no, nah, I'm going to sit here for a little while longer. Just stop yeah. talking. You'll be fine. And and the other thing, too, is by saying stop talking, you know, if he says I can't breathe and he says stop talking, it takes a lot of oxygen to talk. To me, that is Chauvin admitting, knowing that 
Floyd couldn't breathe. Yeah. Otherwise, he wouldn't have offered a, a way to help a him solution, breathe better. Right. He 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 had to have like understood that there was a problem in order to you know offer that quote unquote solution. Yeah, it's sort of acknowledging uh, implicitly. Oh yeah, you can't breathe, but maybe right. if you stop talking, you could. Yeah. That's sort of an implicit. That sort of goes toward toward intent as well. But I mean, you know, again, uh, the, the trial's not till March. A lot of stuff's going to come out. We'll see yeah. if the media gets to see these tapes and see what they have to say about them. Wow. Um. Uh, and finally, um, let's end with this: another installment of Trump's terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. New York has just finished the black, the massive Black Lives Matter mural on Fifth Avenue in front of I Trump know, Tower. I saw that. <laughs> Oh, it's my favorite thing today. I know. know. It's it's wonderful. Every time I pass by that, and I haven't I haven't been New York in so long, but every time I pass by that Trump Tower, I always give it the middle finger every time, and it just brings me so much joy to do it. Yeah. Every once in a while, I'll do threads on Twitter. I'll because I've got a bunch of me flipping off the (laughs) the international DC downtown hotel in Washington DC. Yeah. And I'll just be like, I'll start. Show me your show me your fuck Trump photos and and people. It there's a lot. Uh, Oh, I do have one more here. The former Southern Mm -hmm. District uh, of New York U.S. Attorney Jeffrey Berman, who was fired by Barr, um, testified today. Uh, behind closed doors that Barr repeatedly pressured him to resign in a, in a meeting at lunch with sandwiches and then again in a phone call. And he warned, uh, Barr warned him he could be harming his future job prospects if he did not do so. That is a threat. That is a threat. Um, <laughs> that's a thug mob style threat too. Um, yeah. It's that wink and a nod sort of, you know. Yeah. And, Berman, in a written statement to the House Judiciary Committee, said Barr repeatedly attempted to coax Berman into resigning by offering him and uh, suggesting he consider other positions in the government, including the chairmanship of the SEC or the head of the Justice Department's civil division. Hey, you want to like you want one of these other jobs, baby? Come on. And the attorney general quote, the attorney general said, if I did not resign from my position, I would be fired. He added that getting fired from my job would not be good for me and good for my resume or future job prospects. I told him that while I don't want to be fired, I will not resign. Um, Barr is scheduled to appear. Yeah, yeah, that's bad. That's bad for Barr. (laughs) Yeah. But, but is that, (laughs) I mean, is this, is he like unstoppable? I mean, this guy, and maybe I wasn't paying attention, but like, could nobody have guessed that he was going to be this evil? Was there no evidence from when we ha- he had this job previously? Like, how did anybody vote for him? There was a lot of evidence. They brought it up in the confirmation hearing, but the Republicans in the Senate yeah. confirmed him. That's Susan Collins. Oh, yeah, she's real concerned, concerned now. Concerned, concerned. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah. he's scheduled to appear before the House Judiciary on July 28th for, for a general oversight hearing and what will be his first appearance before the panel since his confirmation as Attorney General in February of 2019. 50 bucks says he'll be too busy ignoring coronavirus <laughs> to show up. <laughs> True. This is crazy. He's like, um, oh... He's just like that, that like villain. And I don't know why I keep talking about movies or like in that, in like a bad Hallmark movie where he's just like, when you hear him, he kind of sounds like a nice little grandpa, but then he's saying the most vile things and you just Mm. don't believe that he's the, you know, villain until 
you look around and your house is totally burnt down and he's holding a gas can. Like, it's just so crazy. I... Yeah. Do you know, do you ever see those commercials for Mucinex with that little um, (laughs) phlegm globber guy? That's That is who Bill Barr reminds me of. Yeah, it is. It looks just like him too. That is genius. Have you put this on Twitter yet? Because you, it's it's really good. I feel like this is a this is a viral moment for you. No, I haven't. Should I do a side by side? Ah, viral Mucinex. Ah, he's yeah, he's <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, mucus and bar go hand in hand. Yeah, he's the phlegm globber. <laughs> Let me see that. Guy. Oh, you know I'm what he gets? Right now. You know what he gets? Uh, <laughs> fart uh, sound effects. That's what he got. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. It used it's to be kind of TJ uncanny, Miller that huh? voiced him. Oh, my God. It does. It looks like him. If <sighs> only we could just take one pill and be able to cough him up. We just need to put that um, those glasses on him. Okay. Yeah. You're right. I need to tweet out a side by side. You really do. Anyway, you need thank to do you. a side by side immediately. <laughs> the phlegm globber. The Mucinex phlegm globber. Bill Barr. Mm, yeah, TJ Miller uh, doesn't voice him anymore. It's Barr. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, well, the whole country just needs to take a Mucinex. The Department of Justice. We need to pill the Department of Justice with we Mucinex. Really do. So just, and, or maybe like, we just show throat, up in you know? November. Mm, yeah. That's well, that the ultimate pill. <laughs> I know. Mm-hmm. I mean, no, I'm mm-hmm. saying like not it's a good it's a good thing, but that's that's our version of the pill, is we just we just gotta we gotta keep up the these feelings of discomfort and sadness and agitation and keep it going till November and show up in in droves yeah and we have to stay angry but we can do it in waves you know like have you ever been in a choir or played in the band you can't possibly you have to breathe sometimes when you're singing a note at different times and you and you just make sure that you stagger your breathing with yes. your, you know, I was an alto, so all the altos are there. And you make sure that you're not all the altos are breathing at the same time. So it right. sounds like one note, like kind of like a didgeridoo. Yes. Um, like that circular breathing. We mm-hmm. have to do that. We all have to stay angry and you need a break, you know, tag somebody in and they'll be angry for you for a while. Like we just do it in a wave so that the anger stays up there, but we can take breaks for our own self-care. That is the best advice I've heard and this and this goes for you know people in especially right now who are doing a lot of activism work and just feel like you know there's just some days like you just feel so tapped out you know like they're mm-hmm. just you just can't bear one more piece of of bad news or having to educate or having to listen to someone diminish your existence and you know so i think that's the key is like we all just stagger the breathing and when when I can't, AG will show up. When she can't, I'll show up. And we just take turns until we can take one collective breath in January. And hopefully this will all be over. Yes. Agreed. Yep. Staggered outrage. We can do it. We can do it. <laughs> Put your back into it. Thanks for being here with me today, Amy. It was wonderful to, to speak me. to you again. Yeah, of course. I'll see you soon. Or I'll, I'll hear you soon. Yeah, I'll see you next Friday. And then... Uh, anytime you want to join one of our Friday um, afternoon live stream Q&As, like if you just want to pop in, let me know. We'd love to have you. We're going to have Andrew Torres this week. And so anytime oh. you want to show up on Friday, have yes. a cocktail, answer some questions. Can I bring a cocktail? Can I actually be actively cocktailing while I do it? 
Oh, yeah, that's what we do. Mm-hmm. That's the do. Okay, yeah, let's sign me up. Sign me up for next Friday or whenever. Actually, wait, no, next Friday is my birthday. Or it's around my birthday, <gasps> so I'm Ooh. I'm going to be celebrating. <laughs> but, um, well, happy yeah, birthday. let's do it sometime after that. I'm, you know, free as a bird. Yeah, for reals. And um, I appreciate you coming on today. So do you have any final thoughts before we get out of here? Um, stagger the breathing. Mm-hmm. Tap <laughs> someone out. Tap, tap yourself in. Listen to AG. Mm-hmm. Thanks. Not on everything, but like some stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't take my advice on who to date. Don't do that. <laughs> I got a broken picker. Uh, anyway, thanks again. We'll be right back, everybody, with the Good News Block with Jordan Coburn. So stay with us. Hey, everybody. It's AG, and this Helping of Daily Beans is brought to you by Helix Sleep. I know some of you out there are sleeping on old trash mattresses with springs poking you and craters and divots that put a crick in your spine and mess your neck up and keeps you tossing and turning all night. But you deserve better than that. Uh, Our listeners have earned a guilt-free good night's sleep just for being on the right side of history. You know what I'm saying? And after working this hard and being this active and engaged, uh, and I'm sure it stresses everybody, it stresses you out, stresses me out, but you deserve to give yourself an upgrade in the relaxation department. And of course, you know, we highly recommend Helix mattresses. Helix Sleep made all the difference for us. Uh, Jordan loves hers. It's the best mattress she's ever slept on. Best for me I've ever had in my life. It's like sleeping on a cloud. Mandy and we we talk about it in our spare time when it's when we're not on the show. That's how much we love our mattresses. Um, whether you're a side sleeper or a hot sleeper, or if you like a plush or a firm bed, there's no confusion and no compromising with Helix because they match your body type and sleep preferences to the perfect mattress. You just go to helixsleep.com slash dailybeans, take their free two-minute sleep quiz, and they'll match you to a customized mattress that will give you the best sleep of your life. Helix Sleep was awarded number one best overall mattress pick of 2019 by GQ and Wired Magazine and us. Uh, They have a 10-year warranty, and you get to try it out for 100 sleeps risk-free. They'll even pick it up for you if you don't love it, but you totally will. And right now, Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash dailybeans. That's helix, H-E-L-I-X, sleep.com slash dailybeans for up to $200 off. All right, everybody, welcome back. It is time for the good news. And joining me today for the Good News Block is Jordan Coburn. Jordan, hey, how's it going? Hey, it's going well. Just had some eggs. Life is good. Scrambled? Over? Uh, Scrambled. Yep, that's how I do my eggs, is scrambled. Yep, yep. How are you? Uh, I'm okay. I'm okay. It's a really interesting news day. A lot of good news, a lot of interesting news. So, uh, but... We're going to go over our listeners' good news now, and I'm really excited about it because this is a good way to start the weekend, I think. Um, You know, we're going to have our meet and greet here shortly, and so I'm excited about that. We're going to have Andrew Torres pop on and say hi, so that'll be fun. Uh, But this is always my favorite part of the day, so uh, why don't we, why don't you kick it off? Who's our first uh, good news uh, person? uh, What do you call it? Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Submission? Uh, um, I almost said. Sub- yes, submission. I almost said subscriber for some reason. Okay, so today is going to go a well. A subscriber to good news. <laughs> My gosh. I think that's what our listeners are at this point. It's a recurring enough segment. Um, <laughs> all right. From Anonymous, pronouns he, him. He says, I'm getting married this Friday. COVID disrupted all our reception and honeymoon plans, but regardless, my fiancé and I decided to prioritize us and we'll have a simple ceremony with only her parents and my brother. We are so happy regardless. Congratulations! 
Congrats. La, I was thinking, what's the married song? La la la. No, that's graduation. What's the fuck? <laughs> what do people play dun, at weddings? Dun dun dun. Ah. Dun dun dun. That yes. one. Yes. Yes. Yeah. There's no exit song, huh? There needs to be a set exit song once you've done the deed. Sometimes I think, it, you know, they play a lot of Pockables Canon in D. Mm. Yes. You know, the old da na 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 Oh, totally. Totally. You're right. You're so right. And then, of course, oh, what's that band? Green Day did a song based on that melody. Sometimes I give myself the creeps. Da na 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 Yeah. Wow. I never picked up on that. Your musical ear. It's a good one. Um that's amazing though congratulations hell yes you can yeah, just that like, should be your walkaway song though sometimes yeah. i give myself the creeps that green day song yeah you can just like chug a bunch of natty ices and then tie them to dental floss onto your belt and just run around your living room to recreate the <laughs> <laughs> driving away can effect <laughs> i always said i always said i used to do this joke in my set but no one ever laughed at it so i took it out but at my funeral, you know how everyone talks about what they would do at their funeral. Mm-hmm. And I always said, uh, I want my hearse, you know, the big black car that has the casket in it, to have cans and stuff and shoes tied to the back of it with a bunch of condoms all over it. And it mm-hmm. just it says just buried on the back instead of just married. <laughs> I think that would be fun. I love that. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah. <laughs> But this is a wedding, not a funeral, and I'm very, very happy for y'all. So congratulations. Yes, congrats. Uh, our next our next good story from Anonymous, pronouns she, her. Uh, this has gotten really long, so I apologize in advance. Okay, whew, here we go. <clears throat> Cracking the knuckles. Uh, my daughters, now 21 and 5. Whoa, nice gap. Friggin' 16-year break there. Yeah. Uh, my daughter's 21 and 5, and I have listened to Muller. She wrote in the Daily Beans from the beginning. Your podcasts haven't just been fantastic. A fantastic source of news. Your strength, sense of humor, and honesty when confronting difficult, painful, and frightening topics have been one of the tools I've used to teach my girls how to confront the chaos we're living through while maintaining a sense of sanity. We live in Washington State. Imagine Seattle as the heart and brain of our state. We live in the equivalent of a large pulsating boil on the hairy asshole of the Pacific Northwest. <laughs> our city is the Florida of Washington. Okay. <laughs> Apologies oh, to our funny. Florida listeners. Uh, the last six weeks have been particularly tough as my five-year-old is biracial. Racism has been a topic in our home for a long time. But when she saw the picture of the young girl who had been, uh, who had been maced by uh, Seattle police department, those discussions moved to a whole new level. I would love to give a shout out to EmbraceRace.org if possible. As a white woman, Embrace Race has given me the invaluable education on race, especially in the context of raising a biracial multicultural child. My precious baby was anxious about leaving home for days because that girl looked like me and um, she couldn't scare a big white guy with a gun, but he hurt her anyway just because he could. Oh, that's scary. Um, the week after the picture was published, our local BLM community scheduled another protest. We hadn't gone to the first one. Uh, they did because we've been practicing aggressive social distancing due to immunocompromised family members. As we discussed going, Z, the five-year-old, uh, vacillated between wanting to attend versus supporting the protest by donating masks we've been making at home. I could see her struggling with her fears and was struggling with my own concerns as well. I finally decided the best way to support her was to honor her sense of safety and allow her to guide the decision about whether or not I took her and how long she would stay once we got there. 
Uh, the morning of the protest, my 21-year-old headed out the door with enough hand sanitizer to baptize an elephant <laughs> and masks. My five-year-old and I stayed behind. About an hour later, Z came to me, that's the five-year-old, with a piece of poster board and said, Mom, I'm scared, but we got to go because otherwise the old white guys win. Oh, my God. Oh, God, yes. She then uh, instructed me to write Black Lives Matter on her sign and then told me to put a P.S. My hair is better than Trump's and no, you can't touch it on the bottom. Oh, my God. (laughs) We headed to the protest, which was a very well attended um, protest, especially for our community. The crowd was positive, reminded one another about social distancing, and someone even took the time to create a station for white allies on how to be supportive while staying in our respective lanes. Uh, then we treated, uh, we were treated with a convoy of um, land barges emblazoned with Trump 2020 signs and NRA bumper stickers. At first, they contend they contended themselves driving. They were contented driving around the block and flipping us off. Then I noticed that with each trip, they seemed to be edging closer to the sidewalk. Hmm. Uh, I was trying to decide if it was time to leave when the light changed red and one of the trucks stopped literally a few inches from the curb. The dude behind the wheel rolled down his window and started screaming obscenities. Wow. The light finally changed. He gunned his engine and peeled off. There was one of those weird moments in the crowd where people were quiet all at the same time. Then my badass little girl yells, Mom, was that sad dick energy? (laughs) (laughs) It looked like sad dick energy to me. (laughs) Everyone around us laughed and agreed that, yeah, that's what it was. (laughs) Oh, my God. The protest stayed positive and peaceful. I was so proud of my little one for being strong enough to face her fear about attending and then being tough enough to call out the bullshit when she saw it. You've given us the strength to keep fighting during our demoralizing times. Thank you. P.S. Not going to lie. The fact that schools have virtually zero chance of reopening sucks in a lot of ways. But on the upside, at least it gives me a little more time to teach my baby that while her mama is a potty mouth, she needs to wait until she has her driver's license before she deploys her extensive curse word vocabulary. (laughs) (laughs) Mom, was that sad dick energy? (laughs) Yes. Oh, my God. That's a badass kid you have. That's so funny. Oh, I love that. Yes, Z. That was sad dick energy. Also, just for her kid to feel in that moment, like, so superior to that idiot too that must have been a nice feeling too for for it's like yeah even a child can immediately pinpoint what the fuck is going on that's some insecure ass white guy being a dick that's so funny i i can't imagine if i were at a rally some big lifted truck pulled up screeched away yelled obscenities screeched away and then a five-year-old yelled Mm -hmm. mom was that sad dick energy it looked like sad dick energy to me i would go I would lose my shit. Yeah. I feel for for you, though, on on the fears. Whenever a car rolls up to a crowd now, it's impossible to not fear the worst, you know? Like, what are they going to do? Especially if it's a lifted truck, which is definitely uh, profiling white people, if you can even say that, if that's even a thing. (laughs) And... And it's, it's... Yeah, it's scary because consistently it keeps happening. It's already happened, like... I mean, cops have done it. Antagonizers on the other side have done it. So that's a scary moment to have with your kids. And and I'm, uh, I am proud to know you as a listener that you are very brave. What a brave five year old. Mm hmm. Yep. Definitely. So good. Uh, thank you for that. Our next piece of good news comes from Nicole in Oregon. Uh, Nicole says, hi, this may not be good news exactly, but it's been good for me. I have been sick on and off with COVID-like symptoms since the end of March. 
it's been difficult knowing what is happening because tests weren't available when I was first sick and everything got shut down. So seeing a doctor was difficult. My husband happened across an article talking about COVID long haulers and that there was a support group on Facebook. I went looking and joined. My life has changed. I finally understand what is happening to me and that I'm not alone. There are thousands of folks suffering from symptoms for months. Many of us haven't been hospitalized. Having a community to share experiences and to get support from folks that really understand has helped me and others immeasurably. One group is connected with doctors from Mount Sinai Hospital. And the information is fantastic. Thank you. Love the podcast. Stay safe. And don't get this virus. Wow. That is frustrating as all hell to imagine you just dealing with that and not knowing what the heck was going on. How great, though, that 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 group has doctors, you know, from Mount Sinai. That's awesome. Yeah, it is. Yeah, that's really, really cool. Um, Speaking of, I forgot if I mentioned this already, but San Diego Blood Bank, uh, someone said, is doing free antibody testing. If you donate, and maybe that's something that other local blood banks are doing too. Who knows? Just throwing yeah, that out call there. your local blood bank and find out. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Because, I mean, it makes sense that if you're donating blood right now, that they would have to test it for COVID anyway. So, there you go. All right, our next uh, story is from Mary, pronouns she, her. My good news is that last month, my cousin Rachel graduated from Temple University in Philadelphia with her master's degree in education. She was working at an environmental science magnet high school during her time at Temple. So with any luck, they will hire her on as a full-time science teacher starting in the fall. I'm very proud of her and all the things she has achieved. Yes, for women in STEM. Awesome. Awesome. Congratulations. Next up from Madison, pronoun she, her. She says, my name is Madison and I've been a listener for two years. I work at two nursing homes in Washington, D.C., This week, one has discharged our last two patients from our coronavirus wing, and my other building has three COVID patients left. At one point, over one-third of our residents had corona. Most have recovered completely, and our buildings are starting to let seniors interact with each other again. Keep going, ladies. Also, shout out to Jordan's Jordanisms, because they really click with my brain. Thank you, (laughs) Madison. I appreciate that. Very it's much. It's Madison, Jordan. <laughs> yeah. Madison. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> I uh, uh. I was sitting there thinking this would be a good opportunity for a punchline such as the one you just said, and then I said, "Meh," and then you did it. So <laughs> thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no problem. Not my pleasure. Um, uh. Next, um, next good news stories from Eric. He him. Hi there. I'm an American from Colorado, but I've been living in Australia for the last 17 years. I have been here as a permanent resident for most of that time. I have finally become an Australian citizen. My partner, who is Irish, and I attended our citizenship ceremony online in our front room. I am retaining my U.S. citizenship, which means I will now be able to vote in both countries. While not as bad as the Trump maladministration, the current Australian government... Uh, I have another good news story about this, he says, is a right-wing Rupert Murdoch-controlled government. We look forward to being able to vote in the next Australian election and hopefully vote them out. In the USA elections, I received a press release from the Colorado Secretary of State noting that state primary election... The state primary election on Tuesday was conducted almost entirely by mail, with 99.3% of all ballots returned either via mail or ballot drop box. Ironically, 99.4% of Republican ballots were also returned by mail. As of yesterday, over 1.5 million voters submitted ballots, making this the biggest turnout for a state primary in the state's history, which followed the biggest turnout in March, when nearly 99% of voters voted by mail as well for the presidential primary. 
And of those votes, Democrats outnumbered Republicans nearly two to one. It shows again that vote by mail is not only viable, but also perfectly acceptable to many Republicans and is hopefully a good sign that our purple state is becoming more blue in November. Thanks so much for all you do. I listen to MSW every week for the last 18 months and listen to the Daily Beans every day. It helps to calm the angst that this administration causes, especially when I'm so far away and it feels like there's little I can do about it. And it's hard to tell otherwise what normal people are thinking on the ground. <laughs> I don't know if we're normal, but thank you. It's <laughs> <laughs> true. Um, Thanks, Eric. <laughs> yeah. That's great. Congratulations on your citizenship in Australia. And um, it's so important that we talk about how... You know, everybody likes vote by mail, just not mm-hmm. Trump. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I am excited for the doors that I believe this election will inevitably open to accessible voting because I'm going to talk in positives and believe our country's going to get its shit together and do the right thing. Um, this is the good news segment after all. <laughs> in, in another section of the podcast, <laughs> I'd feel it, it'd be just dripping with dread. But for this one, I'm, I'm staying up. Uh, our next one comes from M, pronouns they, them. They say, some good news out of Missoula, Montana. Local non-essential small businesses are working together in awesome ways. A specialty bike shop and a brewery connected and developed a way to produce face shields for frontline workers. They then connected with several other local small non-essential businesses and had their employees assist in the production of face masks. They just made their two millionth face shield. Holy crap. Nice. That's, that's a lot. S- yeah, that is so much. That's amazing. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. It's a Christopher Walken thing <laughs> for no reason. Wow. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. The mask. You don't understand. Two million masks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm totally stealing this bit from Ron Ripley, who is a comic that every time you go on his podcast, he makes you do your best Christopher Walken impression. <laughs> <laughs> it's oh, so fun. Nice. It's so fun to just go into it. But for some reason that just jumped into my brain. Uh but that is so amazing. Millionth. Two millionth? That's mm. incredible. Well done, Montana, Missoula. We used to have walking offs on the uh two hundred and forty three hundred and forty seven steps podcast, I think, back probably about ten years ago before podcasts were even a thing. Oh wow. Back when Joe Rogan and you were the only contemporaries. Uh, uh, yeah it was just us and he took a different route so (laughs) (laughs) finally uh from mo in miami pronouns she her i have great news about a professional scientific society the american society uh i think this is meant for you to read oh okay sure should i take it over try it all right i have great news about a professional scientific society the american society oh no (laughs) 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 the the american society of ichthyologists and herpetologists jokes on you i know everything about herpes (laughs) including the word herpetologists i have no clue if herpetologists study herpes (laughs) probably not oh my gosh that's so funny um wait ichthyologist is that dinosaurs what is ichthy (laughs) i have no idea i'm gonna look this up not right now because it's funnier (laughs) if i'm an idiot um (laughs) it's it's, it's dinosaurs and herpes final answer oh fish okay 
<laughs> it's fish, and uh, herpetology is uh, reptiles and amphibians. Aww. So this is the fish, the fish, frogs, and and lizards society. <laughs> Um, known That's as, um, so funny. Also known as ASIH. <laughs> yes. Sorry, oh I gosh. had to make you do that. Anyway, so they funny. took action. The ASIH took action to change the name of its quarterly journal so that it no longer honored a scientist named Edward Dinker Cope, who was a vile and repugnant person because of his views on minorities and women. Uh, I've been active in the society since 1979 and was ignorant of Cope's views. Had I known that this action would have taken place sooner than 2020. The executive committee of the society was formed about informed about Cope's views a couple of weeks ago. The leaders voted unanimously to change the name of the journal from Copea the, uh, to Ichthyology and Herpetology, Fishes and Amphibians and Reptiles. Look, there it is right there. Uh, their vote had been confirmed by the Board of the Governors, which is about 100 people. And we learned yesterday the vote was overwhelmingly positive, although not unanimous. Racism and sexism are tough to eradicate, but we must do it. So here is to the science nerds. We are as good as NASCAR. And a couple of bands. <laughs> Hell yeah. Uh, Although I was hoping the Dixie Chicks would have changed their names to the Chixie Dicks, but that's... Ooh, Chixie Dicks. You're so right. Did you see Lady Antebellum change her name to Lady A? <sighs> yeah, and did you f- see that they're suing a-, a black artist who has the name Lady A to take it from her? Oh my god! Yeah. No! Jesus yeah. Christ! Talk what? about missing the point. Who the fuck is their PR person? That was rhetorical, obviously. <laughs> but it's... Maybe oh. it was Edward Dinker Cope. Mm. Yeah. Uh, it seems like probably it, it was an older fella. Yeah. Wow, that's really crazy. Um, that would make sense, though, because I saw Lady A trending again on Twitter, but I didn't know why. So there we go. Uh, anyways, that's that was so much great news. Thank you, everyone. Yeah. Absolutely. So nice. And you're right. It's ichthyology. Yes. For the pronunciation. Dinosaurs and herpes. (laughs) That's a conference I would go to like a motherfucker, dude. (laughs) That sounds like a great time. (laughs) Add add volcanoes and I'm there. (laughs) What's the... What's the study of volcanoes? I I used to know this. Let me see. Is it Um, not volcanology? Uh... Yes, it is volcanology. Weir- weirdly, I've looked this up before. <laughs> it's a young and exciting career that deals with the study of one of Earth's most dynamic processes, volcanoes. Volcanology, I would, you know, insert Spock joke, but it wouldn't be as good. <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah, those are our good news stories. So thank you all so much. And sorry about butchering the pronunciation of, of the the society that you've been with since 1979, Mo. We... we I didn't mean to, you know, you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I want to be a part of that society, actually. Yeah, that sounds super dope. I used to collect little toads when I was a kid. I don't know if they fall in there. <laughs> That's cool. Well, toads toads are amphibians, right? Mm, these toads were n- not. Interesting. These were toad. Rogue toads? Toads that turned into toads. Rogue toads. <laughs> <laughs> okay there's the episode title we have an episode title thanks to mo in miami 
<laughs> and her membership in the ASIH. That's so cool, though, that you got that jerk's name taken off the newsletter. So mm-hmm. congratulations. That's wonderful. I love all these. I mean, I know that these are small, you know, just small changes. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, they're, they're things I think that everybody's really just been sort of going after for a while. And, and mm-hmm. now it can finally get done. But, there, you know, of course, there is still bigger, massive structural change that needs to happen. And that's why we all vote in numbers too big to manipulate. Yes. Uh, in November. So. I'm all right. Ready. Well, uh, any final thoughts? I do not. Well, everybody. Have them. Thank you very much. <laughs> I do not have them. Sorry. Uh, everyone, uh, we will be releasing a new episode of Quarantine Confessions uh, on Friday for patrons and Saturday for the public. So check that out. And until we talk again this weekend, everyone, please take care of yourselves, take care of each other, take care of your mental health, and take care of the planet. I've been AG. I've been Jordan Coburn. And them's the beans. The Daily Beans is executive produced and directed by A.G. and Jordan Coburn and engineered and edited by Mackenzie Mazell and Starburns Industries. Our marketing manager, executive assistant, production and social media direction is Amanda Reeder. Fact-checking and research by A.G., Jordan Coburn, and Amanda Reeder. Our music is written and performed by They Might Be Giants. Our web design and branding are by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. And our website is dailybeanspod.com. <laughs>